Welcome to This and That Podcast, your weekly unscripted, uncensored, and unboxed lessons from the major events around the globe. Here is your host, Daniel Oladaja. Top of the day to you. Welcome to another interesting episode of This and That Podcast with Daniel Oladaja. Today, yes, today for the very first time, after chasing this nigga around for like uh, half of a century, finally getting to do this, and he's um, no other person than the first guest on the show. Drum rolls, yes, ladies and gentlemen. My guest on the show today is a big-headed fellow. <laughs> you are not allowed to say a word. His name is. The one and only Abiodun Salako. I'd like him to out out align to introduce himself. Abiodun, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, really glad to be here. Um, I've been following your work for some time and uh, really uh, informative and uh, enlightening pieces out there. So good stuff you're doing, you know. Yay, Mama, I made it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you would like to know oh that this, this, this gentleman is, is one of the most intelligent beings on the planet, trust me. And um, we work together, we work together, so I know him very, very closely, and I know he's a very intelligent being. So today I'm here to pick his brain. But then, if, I mean, let's, let's, let's go this way. Who are you, by the way? Um, well, first off, um, I'm a man who's uh, passionate about humanity, I suppose. So, first of all, I'm a humanist. Um, um, I'm a philosopher too, uh, partly, I suppose. So, um, I educate people on some on something. So, educator um, by profession. I'm a journalist, a broadcast journalist, to be precise, and uh, a newscaster. But um, by passion, uh, that is other kind of passion and I'm, I'm art inclined so I educate people I sometimes I write copies for ad copies and you know whatever or whatnot and all the other stuff so I think that sums it up you know it's basically who I am yeah I think the first time we were in a meeting I remember back then and um, the chairman asked was it the chairman or the director asked and said who are you and what do you do I remember you said you are a mental engineer something like that or was it a subconscious engineer what did you consciousness engineering that was what you said you were doing uh, yes that was that was the uh, the, the, the phrase i used consciousness yeah. engineering right yes you want to tell me about that well, well technically speaking um i think um um you know we are we are guided by three things uh that's um philosophy psychology and science and um i am I'm, I'm the person who believes that uh, most of what we see on the outside is as uh, a result of what is or what happens on the machinery of the, of the brain some people would say the mind but you know of the cell of the brain so i i think the concept of uh, consciousness is something that we put out there for people to see reflect um, what we think we are and uh, i think um we we have gotten to the point in, in you know human development where um, we seem stuck and um, unable to really internalize our experiences in order to turn out newer versions of ourselves. So everything uh, um, we've, every environment we find our, ourselves in, 
um, seems to be pulling us down rather than uplifting us, you know. So I call myself a consciousness engineer because I, 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 want, I, I work behind the scenes, you know. So I, I, I go behind the scenes and I get the whole thing sorted out and, you know, and uh, at the front of the scene, at the forefront, people see what's happening and everything, but at the back, they don't see what's happening. And that's really what I do. Uh, you know, we, we, we do that uh, through uh, an internal process of psychology. We, we use NLP at times and all of the, the really methods of, uh, you know, just uh, ensuring that uh, the mind, you know, is um, properly uh, engineered for the human being to be the best of what he or she can be. So, Wow, that's incredible. I think I can, I can relate to what you just narrated right now, what you just explained uh, as a life coach and an NLP practitioner myself. The fact is that the subconscious actually controls the conscious. And against what society will tell us, society pushes us to emphasize on the externals at the, at the mercy or at the expense of the Yeah, the detriment, yes. Yes, and that, that really has gotten us into a lot of trouble. And um, we were having this conversation last week. Uh, last week was Valentine's Day, right? And, you know, yeah, interestingly, I was, I was in a shopping mall on Saturday morning. I needed to get yogurt. I just... I just developed a very strange uh, longing for yogurt Tuesday out of the blues and anything like ice cream. So I walked into a store on Saturday morning, I needed to get ice cream and I was told, I wasn't even told, I had to, I saw it myself, I looked at the fridge, like there were about four of them and the entire stuff was empty. And out of curiosity, I was talking to the attendant to tell them, like, guy, what happened here? And he was like, man, he was mad. Everything is gone, we're out of stock. And he told me, I mean, he just showed me how much was spent on Friday on the whole issue of love and relationship and all of that. And coming back to you, we were talking about relationship and the whole complexity and the dynamics of male-female relationships. Um, and all the innuendos that surround it in the 21st century. So, and I, that was when I decided, okay, let's talk about this. So, let's see, what do you think about male-female relationship in the 21st century? Uh, what's your take? Where do we stand? Because from your take on mental re- consciousness re-engineering, it, it seems civilization is going towards... Uh, towards a, a, a state of dystopia right now it, it seems to be moving from the stone back to the stone age or something it's just like all of us all of humanity is raising at the speed of light towards an inevitable dystopia what do you think especially when it comes to male-female relationship uh, a very, very pertinent question there um we stand at a very fragile um, phase in the um, evolution of um, male and female relationship. And um, we are hoping that um, we are going to get past this without having too many body counts and too many injured uh, people on both sides of the sexes. And um, before we can finally realize certain things that um, should not have been at the forefront, but are the forefront. Uh, A lot has changed over time. And I think uh, from depth, we are becoming shallow in what we seek and the dynamics of the male and female um, relationship. Not that we've not had certain progress, we've seen um, both sexes speaking up on certain situations. Both sexes are now 
uh, um, you know, brave enough now to come out and say, this is what I want. And, you know, if you can't give me this, then I think this is over. So everyone is now really um, their own trumpeteer, their own mascot, saying this is what I want. If there's a, meant to be a relationship, you know, as lovers or even as friends. So um, everyone is, is being outspoken. And this is very good. So it's a good thing, but then we're having issues with uh, certain um, concepts that should guide how male and female interact. And most of it, we could say, really boils down to um, the material angle of it. That's really what we're seeing. And it's not as if we've had really an upsurge in the in the immaterial part. That is a, a strong lasting uh, effect on the immaterial part. But we have, we have seen now that the material part is taking much more uh, space at the front of it all. And, and that's becoming worrisome because um, uh, young men of these days are really put on the spot. Uh, you know, especially young men who are from the middle class and the lower class are, are put on the spot, uh, materially speaking. So they have a lot to do. They have a lot of things to meet up to, to, to a certain narrative that um, they were just born into. You know, and this narrative has been propagated for decades. Uh, so it's more or less like being born and there's a software already running. You can't change the software. You have to follow with the software. Yeah. And, you know, and we who have the power to change the narrative are not changing the narrative. We're fine with the narrative because uh, aside from the fact that the narrative is not particularly good for us, we are happy because it gives us a certain power to um, have control over the female sex. It means once you have the material wherewithal or the means, which basically is money, once you have that, uh, you can easily dominate a lady and get her to do whatever you want to do. Um, which, of course, the ladies have most times not really said no to, uh, not tried to talk against or to say, oh, just because you have money doesn't mean... But in a re when we are real about it, we find out that once you have money as a young man, or you have a nice car, or you have a beautiful apartment, everything together and a job, uh, it's natural for a lady to want to uh, see herself... Um, in a being with you, perhaps as a marriage companion or just as a, you know, a partner, uh, because um, um, it, it's more or less, it, it's a mating strategy. Ladies are long-term uh, in nature. They, they see things that would, um, they look for the best situations, the best circumstances that, that would really be advantageous to their future. So having the material part of it settled is a big plus for most ladies. Uh, of course, it's not necessarily the old thing. So it's a plus, but then, it's not really a plus because wealth is, you know, it's, it's not something that is set in stone. One can be rich today and tomorrow the person might not be rich anymore. So that is one part of it. But the other part of it, the most important part is the narrative that men actually have to be the one doing most of the financial work. That we have to be the one um, stressing ourselves to do certain things that are most likely not even needed stressing ourselves to get certain things in place because we want to have certain power over the relationship dynamics and once we don't have that power you know we feel like we're not doing enough and and uh, we have also been the ones propagating the narrative we see that in our music industry uh, all most of our musicians musicians of these days really don't have anything to offer most of them anyway don't have anything much to offer than regurgitating the same old narrative and ladies are listening to it and then they talk about love and they never forget, you, you hear the lyrics of most songs and they keep saying, 
I'll take you to Dubai. I'll buy you these watches and that watches and buy that brand and that, you know, these shoes and those shoes. They keep hammering on the material part of it. It's just that's yeah. the most important. You know, so you, you watch the music videos, you see this kind of stuff there. So the music industry, as an entertainment uh, arm, you know, really enforces on these things. And, you know, and that part is really the part that young people are in tune with. And when you listen to such music daily, you you, st you start thinking of getting the cue that you know to take care of a lady or to get a lady or something. You need to have uh, you need to be able to buy her designers and buy her this and buy her that. And if you don't buy her this and that, you're losing out. Yeah, you know. Okay. You, you, so yes, interestingly, what you're saying uh, made me remember the quote by uh, I can't remember. It wasn't Oscar Wilde, but someone who said, uh, "Let me write a song of a nation." I don't care who writes its laws, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The whole idea that uh, this, this sort of these biases are subtly being sold by the media, and um, the, the picture looks very grim. But how then do we? Um, uh, number one question before we begin to unpack how to uh, re-engineer our consciousness and reclaim our individuality and our sanity. Uh, I want to ask. Because when, when you protest against this kind of endemic or uh, perpetrated narratives, you're meant to sound like uh, a loser. Uh, what, what do you think? Isn't this the whole... You, you're made to sound like you're whining, like uh, complaining is a loser's anthem. Yeah, you're not a man. That you're not a man enough and that's why you're... You're not man enough to your responsibility. Exactly. So what do you say to that? Well, you see... I would not say we are not being a man. Now, those people who propagate this narrative have been those or are those who have the means and will most likely have the means always. They are not okay, considering those. You don't have the means. Um, like, you know, there's a song then that says, I like you double your hustle or something like that. Yes. Th then they come at you with such kind of songs. And how do you defend yourself? Because it, it definitely makes you... I've had a lady who, who told me, um, we were having a conversation and she was like, if I ask a guy to get me something and he cannot get it, I tell him, Allah, you double your hustle. Man, how do you deal with that? Well, you see, dealing with that is an easy thing, uh, which is why it calls for understanding on you know both parts of the partners, that she knows that he's at this stage where this is what he can afford. And knowing that this is what he can afford, she has to work with that um, with that light of this is what I can afford. I can afford to buy you this kind of thing, but not this kind of thing because I don't have the means. Doesn't mean I won't have the means. So once you understand his financial needs, she knows how to key into what she wants and you know just the important things and not the, the not the ones for the needs. So the needs are the ones that are most important at that time and when he gets to the stage where he can provide for the ones. But then it becomes tricky because the major question we should be asking is we are in a relationship, we're not married yet, so why should I be taking up most of the responsibility? Why should I be the one trying to buy all of these watches, all of these shoes? It, it, it seems like we are missing out on the function of the marriage and then the function of the relationship. Yes, he gave. God gave according to his capacity. Now, and God's capacity is, you know, is infinite. But we are human beings. We have finance capacity. 
you, you give according to what you have. You can't, you can't give according to what you don't have. So we have to be realistic. If I have a, a, a cup of tea, I can only give you half cup or if I can give you the whole cup of tea. I can't give you two cups. It's not possible. So we have to come into reality that this is what I have to offer at this point and this is what you have to offer at this point and then I offer it to you and you offer it to you and you know there's, there's a, a kind of synergy between what we are offering. Yeah, but that's not the case. That's not the case. Now this is a very radical and unpopular point of view of life and uh, making how do we make this kind of talk I think I'm already joking myself so for those who are already caught up in Okay, I, I think the, uh, what we need to do is talk about purpose. Everything has a purpose. Everything we do has a purpose. Every relationship you want to do with you have a purpose. So that purpose will determine the dynamics of that relationship. Now what's happening today is the relationships are false. Relationships are built upon lies, they're built upon their materiality, they're not built on, upon depth. They're not built upon foundation, they're not built upon lasting principles. They are built upon the fact that I can take care of you, which of course is what most ladies want. A man that can take care of them in the long run eventually. You know, I'm not a man that doesn't have the means at this point to take care of some of their some of their wants or some of their needs. So what we need to do is start to engineering our purposes when we enter a relationship with somebody. What do we want in this person? Where do we see ourselves in this person? Person. Who do I want to be with this person? How can this person be what I want to be or she be in the most realistic sense? Not by manipulating the person to be what a person is not, but by understanding the person's nature and genius. So when we look at the purposes of relationships, we can now determine that materialism, while it is important, is not really as important as principles and values, which are the things that will stand the test of time. We can't tell what people are not open to understanding or people are not open to receiving. It's more or less like Jesus coming to die and everything else and telling us that this I am the way and I am the truth, but some people don't see him as the way or as the truth. The truth is always there, it's our choice, love or not. We have to we take ourselves back from the narrative. We have to think, we have to reason. And the truth is that the sooner we are able to do that, the better for all of us. And the males and females in this country must now realize that they have to sit down separately and think about what they want relationships to stand for both of them.
this reformation with me on a deeper level, it leads you to a kind of transcendence. If you're doing something or you are in tune with a certain narrative that is not leading you to transcendence, then that narrative is wrong. When you're doing a kind of narrative that puts you in a kind of place that looks like a prison, that looks like an obligation, not something that you just want to do on, on a normal day. Something you just wake up and you do, something you like, you love, something you fill your heart with. It becomes a problem. Low and natural. Yeah, exactly. You have to look at the energy of the narrative you're in. You have to look at it from a certain way where you have to put yourself in it. If this is your narrative, if this is the same narrative my children are going to be born into, is this narrative helping or is it not helping? When you look around you, you see that the narrative is not really helping much. Between January and now. Well, we know we can't we can't ask for that. Ask for that. I've not I've not come across that news feed yet, but I can't really say because there are certain reasons for the hope, and we cannot factor all the variables right now. We don't know if there's a higher percentage of materialism being the cause or the higher percentage of other things like cheating and other variables. So we can't say for that on that level. But we could we could assume, but I would not like us to assume right now. So we can't really say. Of course, in the high rate of support in the country right now or in Abuja. But I, I can say that in, in some cases it is, it is highly likely that because they got into the marriage for the wrong purpose, they get some poor pre foundation. When you build a house on the faulty foot, they stop for a life. That might sound judgmental, but then it looks like uh, we really can begin to Yes, we, we can't. We can't say the very beginning because beginnings go a long way in determining the thrust of the relationship, determine the high and lows. Because once once the foundation is quite strong, I think whatever we end up facing, we can come out of it in one piece, even though we'll be in pieces, but we can piece ourselves together because we know where this piece belongs. It's not we're just confused that when we are broken, we don't know what we do. We do not have an image at the beginning. So we need to have an image at the beginning. And we, 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 Look at the Bible, the place where God said, let us make man in our image. You get me? There was an image already on ground. So, that was, that was, that was the picture. You know, but now when you look at these relationships, you find out that there's really no picture. And because there's no picture, uh, you just go into something and when, when you're in pieces, you don't know how to, how to make sense of the pieces because you never had an image before.
what are the few things that you want to mention? Things that are helped you achieve that could help people who are looking. What are the it's uh, it's very tough, really, to not particularly detach, but to find out certain loopholes in society and say, oh, this is what I don't agree with as an individual, as a man of thought, and as a man of ideas. These are what I don't agree with, and these are what I think would advance my individuality and advance society as a whole. So I think what has helped me over, over the years is I think that most people in the commitment to thinking, the commitment to philosophy, like I said, commitment to understanding why you act the way you act, and understand that certain things are not really as important as society claims they are. And why we also need to understand that society is meant to be ever-changing, it's meant to be forward-moving and not backward. So when you find out that over the years what you see in society, they mode and they mode and they mode and nothing much has changed, then it calls upon you as an individual to think about a way forward for yourself, because Whatever you decide to do now, as an individual, eventually you have a family that's your own um, family, there's your mother, your mother, father, your siblings and everything else. And then you're going to have your own family. But you're going to have a wife, you're going to be a father too. So you have to be strategic about what you're going to pick. Because there's a straight line, but as a straight line, there are several dots attached to you that you're going to have to influence. So you must be careful uh, in what you think about uh, principles and guidelines and morals and virtues that you need to take off as a person, as an individual in society, to ensure that these are the things that I teach to the next people who come after me. So it's, it's very important that we that we break down, we think properly. Once you think about um, society, you detach yourself from everything, you find out that there's not much of yourself in anything. It's kind of like being copied. It's like copy and paste. So you were both born a copy and they the copy and paste the software for you and you just take any software that way. So you get to a stage in your life, which is usually in some cases it could be from 16 years, 17 years, something. So some people it would be so bad that they don't want to when they are the before they start thinking about certain things. When they're twenty, this is a very good age, you know, thirties, forties. But it takes time because the man gets rigid as you age, and it's harder to change a man. Than, look at our fathers today. Look at our mothers here. They hold certain things that today nobody can hold. Yeah, but they hold all of these things. Just when you tell them something against that, they don't believe. They don't want to do. So as you age, exactly, it's harder. Your mind becomes more rigid. So this is the best time for you to think. This is the best time for you to remove yourself and then uh, the way you see yourself becoming. So what you have to do is you have to think, you have to read, and you have to internalize. Once you can't do all of these things, you can't really work. You glean information from everywhere. And information is not meant for you to be informed. It's meant for you to have an insight. Every information is meant to lead to an insight. So, the eye leads to another eye, which is an insight, which of course leads to the self. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Bjorn. It's, it's been incredible talking to you. Uh, what I, the one thing we don't have on this show is time. You know, I'm hoping that one day we'll be able to stretch this show for as long as three hours, as long as one hour. You know, I see podcasts, I, I listen to podcasts sometimes, and, and some podcasts go as long as five hours. Heavy, yeah. juicy content. 
non stop five hours deep conversations but then our society we're just evolving we're just beginning to come to terms with um, with knowledge and expositions and all of that so it's been very very pleasant having you on the show thank you for taking your time out to share uh, your deep thoughts about the whole thing love and all of that um, the last episode was about three levels of friendship and it was inspired by Valentine's Day and then coming today to talk about love and building relationships i think it's incredible thank you so much for coming um last word my last word for everybody listening to this right now is find yourself wow just find yourself that's what i'm going to say find yourself yeah i think i have a book coming i've been i've delayed it for a while but then i'm going to push myself to get it out before the year ends and it's about the subject of identity within the construct of society so um of course you are going to be you're going to be part of the team to review that you already know so watch out for it uh, <laughs> yeah so i've been yeah, thank yeah, you I... for coming on the show today trust me there's going to be a part two but then it's not going to be about this we're going to be talking about deep stuff identity individuality societal constructing all of those things because we need to challenge these things we need to challenge these things yeah indeed we do we need to yeah thank you so much for coming on the show i'll be doing i'll be reaching out to you later ladies and gentlemen today has been fun today has been nice tomorrow is another day and tomorrow is the next time i see you it's been daniel oladoja on this and that podcast thank you so much for tuning in have a great evening morning day wherever it is wherever you're listening to us thank you bye-bye for now abe this is where we say good night is it good yes, night or good morning or good evening whatever it is thank you for coming on the show my brother my pleasure my pleasure always all right thank you